while it's interesting to look at, I think there is that angle of how fulfilling your work is to you. I do feel that if you're at work and there's a huge purpose there for you and it drives you and it brings happiness and you're an extrovert, you're going to need a lot more of that connection. If, however, the work is just a job, it's probably less likely that you need to meet in person because it's not so important, even if you're an extrovert. So it's sort of two angles is, is my thought on that. And that's why when the quarterly meetings, you know, the introverts are like, oh God, I have to go. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome into episode 192 of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, joined alongside my pal, interview coach extraordinaire, Sergio Big Valentino Patterson. What is up, everyone? How you doing? Great to have you, buddy. So for today's episode, we're going to be doing a great episode on career advancement, and we're talking about the new remote culture shift and the key factors that might impact the success or the failure of it. We know that there's a lot of listeners that are now remote workers. We're gonna be talking about the myths around remote work culture. We're gonna talk about how to balance the needs of your introverts and extroverts. And we're gonna be talking about the number one key factor to making it sustainable and successful. Now, Serge, I know you, you are a fan of the remote work. In fact, I would probably assume it's like trying to uproot a tree, like a redwood at this point, you know, to get that redwood back into another place, you're going to need to uproot it. You're going to need some heavy equipment. Why don't you give me your thoughts on the remote work culture and the positives and the negatives? Yeah, that's a good analogy. I do feel like I'm like, you would have to like take it from my cold, dead hands, right? <laughs> At this point. Uh, no, I'm uh, three and a half, almost four years in. Uh, and even before the pandemic, it was already kind of, you know, two, three days a week at home. And then once COVID hit, I'll be honest, I've never been closer to my kids since I've been working from home. Whereas before it was like, I'd see them in the morning and I'd see them at night. And I've actually done the best work of my career. I can start work early if I want. I can connect with folks in Europe if I want. I can work late, right? I'm not wasting four hours on the road. So to me, like, I think there's a benefit in going to the office occasionally um, for that in-person connection. Mm -hmm. Um, That's definitely something. But if you look at just overall productivity, and if you look at what the data shows, companies are still performing and producing. Mm -hmm. Stock Mm -hmm. prices still look good. Mm -hmm. So there's actually no data that suggests working in the office is going to make people produce more. But that's, that's my thought. Okay. Okay. We can see audience. We have a very pro work at home, unrootable Sergio Patterson. So to lead us in today's discussion, we have the incredible Jean Marie Di Giovanna. She is an international keynote speaker, a leadership specialist, a certified executive coach, a best-selling author with 25 years of experience in the world's leading expertise, Renaissance leadership. Serge, I think I'm going to be interested to hear what Jean Marie thinks of, you know, you know, the culture and, you know, some other things for you to think about, because I I know you're so happy in your little bubble and working at home. (laughs) Just leave me alone, okay? And I got to mention this. Jean Marie, out of all the wonderful accomplishments she has, she has one other thing to add to the resume. She is a two-time guest on the Free Retiree Show. <laughs> I know this is the top of your list, Jean Marie, but welcome back onto the show. We are so happy to have you. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And I always love being on your show. So let's dive into this work from home. <laughs> yes, as we can all tell in the opening, uh, you know, Sergio, you know, he's team got to stay at home, not going to work ever again. He's probably made a great little soundbite for his HR department to, you know, really contemplate if they send him back in. But you know, I'm, a, I'm an opinion of one. It's an opinion. And I have a <laughs> if I work closer to the office, my opinion may be different. My commute was four hours each day total. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different. That's just an opinion of one. <laughs> so, Jimmy, why don't you give us your thoughts on this new remote work? I mean, it's new. Obviously, we can tell there's a lot of difference of an opinion. If you're probably on the management side, it seems like we want you, we need our employees in. It's important. And if you're on the employee side, you're like, no, I want to stay at home because I've been so close with my family as of late. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely um, actually many sides to this uh, equation because we went, you know, there's extremes, right? And after COVID, post-COVID, we hear all these, you know, C-level executives saying everyone's got to be in the office. And of course, that is no matter what the situation is demanding that that happen is not the way to to lead. We all know that doesn't work. Even if everyone wanted to come into the office, to actually demand that is not appropriate um, as a kind of a, a human being who is there for work. What I will say is I've actually struggled with this. As a person who comes in to advise on workplace culture and works with leaders across the globe, um, you know, people say, oh, we can create the same culture virtually as we do in person. And I actually say, we can't. We create a different culture. Different. And so th I think the struggle with people is they're, they're like, well, we can create the same thing or, or it's all still really good. And it's like, well, no, it's actually different. So let's first acknowledge that it's different um, because we do not have the physical exact you know, people, places happening. And so this creates a challenge because people like Sergio, who love to work at home, <laughs> who would just be happy as a clam, right? That's perfect for those, you know, organizations that are fine with it. But the reality is that you've got such a mix of people. And I'm curious to hear, Sergio, if you would consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert, because that's also something we're going to talk about today that I've noticed. Um, yeah, just leave me alone. I'm an, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> so this is like the perfect scenario, right? Because people who are more introverted love this. It is like heaven on earth. <laughs> and then the people who are more extroverted, it is like a hell. I mean, it is awful. It can be draining. It can be depressing. It can Super be isolating. And so the big thing is we have to recognize the different people in our organization and find this balance. So we can talk about what are some options of the balance, but I just wanted to kind of at least put that out there. That's really start. interesting. The introvert versus, I think extroverts have had this upper hand and advantage for hundreds of years. And I think I've actually like, there's so many different ways that's made it easier for me as an introvert. Um, <clears throat> so it's super interesting you bring that up. Uh, I think that's that's something we should chat about. So going on to the yeah. culture 
Serge, I know you were very much at big companies that had big culture like Google, Amazon, uh, the list goes on. Now, what are you finding now in your new remote work environment? Now you're with Airbnb. What is the culture like now where it seems like most of you and your colleagues are more remote versus back before the pandemic? Yeah, I think culture is an interesting uh, idea, right? I think people say it a lot. It's like the buzzword. But culture is ultimately like the people you hire and the environment you create wherever it is. It's how are you connecting with people in meetings? Like, are you compassionate? Are you kind? It's all the things that Gene talks about. But like, I don't actually think that has a physical element. Um, But that's, again, I think there is a difference between my opinion as a parent, right? And somebody who's single who wants to connect and be in the office and hang out at the office and go to the bars, like I have no interest in doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think to Gene's point earlier, there's like this, uh, it's not a one size fit all approach. If I'm a leader today, I I try to figure out a hybrid or some sort of model that different people from different perspectives can take advantage of. And I think like to answer your questions more specifically, uh, culture is changing. Like when I worked at Google, what was cool about it, there was 40 cafes, games everywhere. And like, I don't even know if the culture was all that great. Like, I think it was okay, but I think it's just a buzzword in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> so let's go on to what we can do now to improve on the culture in the remote environment. And so, Jimmy, what have you seen that that's helping connect everything together for introverts and the extroverts? Because obviously yeah. Sergio is great in his little gopher hole, but we have extroverts <laughs> that are on the other side and feel like there's a disconnect and that they are lost. So yeah. what's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is what I have in the companies I've worked with, And a lot of the research that I've also uh, seen, and even more recently uh, research, a couple things make a huge difference. One is whoever you're working with. So uh, you're in a team environment, uh, or if you're working closely within a whole department, right? The most productive and fulfilling environment from work from home is when the team agrees on Either, you know, we're all working from home or all working remotely, or we're doing a hybrid approach, but the team actually agrees. And so now the team is either in the office together or they're not in the office together versus giving this free choice, which sounds great, uh, sounds nice, but it actually isn't really ideal in a larger organization um, to give people a choice. So that's the first thing that to keep it what I call modular, like who's working together closely, if you can keep those teams and let that be your kind of cell that either works from home, does hybrid, or uh, is in the office, and you agree actually that, and this is where you uh, balance the extrovert and introvert, is you agree on what days, for example, that you'd want to be in the office, because for the extroverts, you know, it's not about going in the office. It's about going in the office when everyone else is there. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that it's that feeling, it's that um, engagement that's really important. So, so I would say first off is keep it modular. Like look at your organization as a kind of a cellular structure where you have these teams or departments that work closely together. And that's the level with which it's best to do work from home, hybrid, or work in the office to decide that at least. Gene, one of the things uh, 
so I work at Airbnb and one of the things Airbnb is doing is this idea of live and work anywhere. Um, but something I think they've learned through surveys recently is uh, I think what the data is telling us, there are a group of people who miss that connection. So what they're trying to do is be more intentional about when we bring groups together more often coordin- yes. in a coordinated way. Yes. So whether it's like in-person like workshops or team gatherings, like coordinate those. So I think that's working. Um, but the problem I see is sometimes we do go in the office and then we're in a conference room on Zoom. Exactly. With, pe- well, with people in Europe or New York or wherever. <laughs> yeah, right. So then it's like, what are we Why doing? Why am I? Yeah. So I like your point about this coordination, like who's in yeah. the office. Yeah. yeah. I like being intentional is really, really important. Um, and that takes that takes some time to actually uncover all of that and to really understand how the business works and how people collaborate. Um, The other thing I will mention, and this is kind of the second thing, Lee, that um, when you ask what are some solutions here is, and it kind of hits on what Sergio just mentioned, is the other is, I'll say quarterly just as a time frame, but quarterly meetings that are like all staff or a larger portion of the organization. And they're very intentional meetings. They're either offsite somewhere or they're in the office, depending on I me. Mean, some organizations don't have offices anymore, right? So they're offsite. They're a physical location. So people come into it uh, together and it's intentional. There's team effectiveness exercises. There's get to know you deeper. There's strategy sessions. There's whatever it is. And this alone, if you had a full work from home organization and you just had people come once, twice, three times a year together, it makes a huge difference. And it Mm I would say closes the gap on what culture means in person and at home, because you're not extreme. You're actually having a, the best of both. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's exactly what we do, Lee and Jean. We're trying to get more and more of the coordinated efforts, but to meet in person as a team for a reason. But what is the benefit? Mm. I mean, I know there is a benefit because my wife, she works in a remote work environment where they're on Zoom all day long. And recently we met with uh, some of her teammates in person, you know, and it was like, oh, wow, like, it's just so different, you know, meeting them in person versus on Zoom. Now, what is the science behind that? Like, why is it like you would feel like if you're Zooming with people every week, and you see them, there's some connection there. And there's some intimacy in the relationship that you have on Zoom. There's no doubt about that. But what is this extra thing by just being in person? Like, why, why does that cause a connection? or a a higher sense of intimacy in the work environment? It's what human to human connection is. I mean, at the very core of being human is physically connecting with each other. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing else that can replace that than physically being together. That's why it feels so different. That's why I don't buy the whole, we can create the same culture online. Actually, you it's impossible because we're not physically together. Um, but it, it's that connection and you can't get it anywhere else unless you're physically with somebody. Gina, I was thinking about something. It's, it's kind of this like conundrum, like there are people who find fulfillment from work, right? There are people who need that connection and fulfillment from their job. And there are some people who get it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on like, because I, I know like that's a part of the culture you get, all you know, you meet these people in person, you're trying to build friendships. Like, 
again, I don't want to sound like um, I'm in a dungeon, but like I'm not so interested in like that part of work. Like I create good connections. I have strong relationships, but it's like, I think there are some people who like need that. Yeah. Is that what you're seeing too? Like they need to be fulfilled from work versus like other areas of their life. Well, actually, what I would say is, oh, I'm not surprised in what you're saying, because as an introvert, you actually don't need to meet in person. You never will need to. I know that's a very broad generalization, but but it's just because that's not a driver for you as an introvert. Um, so while it's interesting to look at, I think there is that angle of how fulfilling your work is to you. I do feel that if you're at work and there's a huge purpose there for you and it drives you and it brings happiness and you're an extrovert, you're going to need a lot more of that connection. If, however, the work is just a job, it's probably less likely that you need to meet in person because it's not so important, even if you're an extrovert. So it's sort of two angles is is my thought on that. And that's why when the quarterly meetings, you know, the introverts are like, oh, God, I have to go meet with people. We got to do these team building exercises. Well, I'm, I'm actually OK with them if it's like once a year. Yeah. A <laughs> I'm okay. The four times would be too <laughs> much. Too much. <laughs> you crossed the line. <laughs> but, you know, like to your point, like my wife, she's, uh, we're kind of opposite. She's an extrovert and uh, she's gotten by in this remote work environment, but it really does bring it home doing those quarterlies. I think she's like quarterly, semi annually, and just shaking the hand, seeing the person in, in real life. And I think that's what you're talking about is, you know, as a team, figure out like how you're going to implement that. You don't need to see, you don't need to be one or the other, but just find a team initiative, a team goal of that connecting for both sides, right? Because we, we've seen Sergio side and I'm, and I'm kind of like Sergio more on the introverted side. And then, but we also have to think about the other people on our team, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. There's a, there's another, another angle to this too, I want to share, which is an experience I've had working in Asia uh, and specifically Southeast Asia. So when you've got now, now you've got, you know, the cultural, well, multinational companies. I mean, you've got all kinds of, you've got people from Europe, from Middle East, from Southeast Asia, depending on right. How, how global that organization is. So the reality is that some meetings have to be virtual. There's no 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 doubt about it. However, um, what I will say is, for example, as a as a speaker who I, I get booked to speak, I can actually book business virtually with someone who doesn't know me. You know, we talk on Zoom or whatever, and actually that can happen in the states and in Europe pretty easily. I say easily and you know it's 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 doable in in Southeast Asia you got to be there you have mm. I mean it's a cultural and so many organizations like I was in Malaysia for almost 2 months doing work and and um speaking and and doing some volunteer work as well and there is no way even though I reached out to people in advance saying I'm going to be there most organizations are back to work physically. Almost a lot of them are. That's how it is. It's not even a question of do we work from home or not. And so it's fascinating, right? If we look at completely different cultures where that connection 
is extremely important, especially when doing business. What is the difference between the successful remote work environments versus an unsuccessful remote work environment in your mind? If we're trying to establish culture, a successful remote culture, what's the difference? How do we know if it's failing or if it's working? One is look at burnout that can be measured. Two is look at productivity and not in terms of hours spent, (laughs) productivity Mm -hmm. in terms of results produced. Like I know an organization, I work with a client who uh, he works with at a VC firm with many portfolio companies. And literally, he, he literally said to me the other day, he said, one company, they decided to go all work from home, like just all of it from being in person. And their results, their profit, everything went down. Everything went down. And, you know, so the success is about the level of aliveness, you know, because there's burnout even over Zoom, mm-hmm. constant Zoom, right? And and to that, I actually say, get on the phone more. I actually, I actually ask people if we can have phone calls, not Zoom. I mean, I never used to do coaching over Zoom. I didn't have to. I always did coaching. My one-on-one coaching has always been over the phone or in person. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly when COVID hit, I'm like, why am I doing my coaching over Zoom? So a lot of this is, so so the success is, you know, how engaged people are still, how their mental state and level of aliveness and fulfillment at work, and then their level of productivity and the, and the actual results or outcomes that, that are produced. Yeah, this, that was a really good question, Lee. Gina, what, what I started thinking about was um, if I was earlier in my career, I think working from home would have been much more difficult because I wasn't as like, I didn't have a system. I didn't have like, I wasn't as responsible. I didn't like know how to do everything. You know, I I think now I'm more uh, mid to senior level. So I started to think about like, maybe there is like a negative impact if if there's like a brand new employee right out of college, like Mm -hmm. what would they even do? Like they might go crazy at home all day. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's hugely negative impact, actually, um, especially for the younger generations. And also, this is what happened with college students. I mean, it was it was devastating. It was like, well, this is my life, you know, this. So in a sense, when they go to work, too, if they're starting work in a virtual environment, it's almost like, well, what is it really like? <laughs> yeah. What, what am I comparing this to? I don't even know. Um, so, Yeah. So we've set up this potentially successful environment now. We have a little bit of give and take. We got something for people like Sergio. We drag them out of their little gopher hole. They get in there quarterly, not quarterly, annually, you know, but there's some interaction. The extroverts are happy. What other things can we do to sustain this environment once we've, once we've, we feel like we've got this give and take? everyone's relatively happy and we can call ourselves a successful organization. What are the keys to sustaining it? Well, it's interesting because there's not one answer to that because it completely depends on the environment, the people, the nature of the work. And so one of the things I always talk about is ask your employees, (laughs) continue to have dialogue and open dialogue with your employees over time. So in order to sustain it, because just like Sergio mentioned, if he was younger, there might be a different environment that he would prefer. And now that he's got a family and he wants, you know, he's now he's get to, you get to see your kids more often. That's beautiful, right? Well, 
over time, people are growing up inside that organization and their needs are going to change. And so, you know, in terms of sustaining, I would say the best thing you could ever do is, you know, every six months, not just a survey, because surveys are good, but have those open dialogues, like have it a general practice that every leader has open dialogue, either with their full team or one-on-ones where they can ask some really targeted questions to determine, is this still working for you? What needs to shift? Yeah, I love that. That connection and communication seems so easy, right? But gosh, like how often in life do we fail at that? And it's like all, all the successful things in life, you can see that there's communication, connection. And generally the worst things in life, there's that disconnection. But yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, and I think what Gene mentioned at the beginning, Lee, was uh, you can't create the same culture. Work from home is different, and it's different for everybody. And then there's there's an office culture, and there's a work from home. It's like they're two very different things. That's been like kind of my takeaway is um, I think leadership was trying to do the same or create the same culture, and I, I don't. I think that's why everyone there's been so many like unsuccessful stories of trying to do this. Absolutely. It's interesting. So Jean Marie, tell us about your book right now. You got your, uh, stop talking, start asking, right. Going back to the whole, uh, <laughs> communication connection, uh, 27 questions to shift the culture of your organization. Tell us a bit about the book and where our readers and listeners can find that. Sure. Uh, so the book is a culmination of questions that I've extracted out of the programs that I've delivered to leaders in the last over two decades that have made a huge difference in the way that they work and the way that they lead and the cultures they create. And so I thought, let's put all this in one book. <laughs> and when I started creating it, I started realizing that there's categories of, there's parts of cultures that we want to foster, whether it's a culture of creativity, a culture of awareness, a culture of collaboration. So it turned out that the book ended up to be independent chapters that help you foster different aspects of your culture. And based on whatever you want to foster more of, you simply go to that chapter, you get stories, you get tips and then specific questions that you can ask as a leader, self-reflection questions, and then questions you can ask your team to open up the dialogue, um, to come from a place of curiosity. And so, um, yeah, it could be found on Amazon. It's been out since 2019 now. And um, and then I've got bonus tools at the website, stoptalkingstartasking.com that you can download as a supplement as well. Readers, listeners, make sure you check out her book. Go check out her website. Uh, Jimmy, you've really been one of the most influential people I think I've talked to in the last couple of years on how I look at leadership. I think we all have different definitions of what a good leader is. And one of the ideas you put into my mind last time we spoke was good leaders make sure the people that they lead have their goals accomplished and they figure out what they want and they really dig deep. Um, it's really, it's changed the way I operate in everything, not just work, but outside of my work life. Uh, 
trying to figure out what people want, I think is a game changer. That was just one valuable lesson you taught me. And I'm sure, you know, readers, if you check out your her book, you're going to get so much more value, but uh, give us just a brief update on everything else you've been up to as of late. I know you've been traveling the world, you're in high demand, what things have been going on? Yeah, I was, um, so I was in an exciting speaker tour in Southeast Asia. We spoke at, um, in Kuala Lumpur, in the Philippines, and in Cambodia. So HR conferences there across the board, and then worked with uh, individual clients and companies there in in Malaysia. Um, that was excellent. And um, and then I've been doing a leadership series uh, with organizations where literally once a month I do a virtual, um, a lot because they're multinational companies and. And then the exciting thing is my LinkedIn course called Communication Skills for Modern Man. I'm not sure if it was out when we talked last, but Communication Skills for Modern Management. And uh, it has been named one of the top four soft skills by tech professionals this year. And so they, as a result, LinkedIn has unlocked the course and made it available to everybody until the end of this year. So that is exciting. There's over 40,000 learners who have taken the course and, you know, we're continuing to keep those numbers high because it's a, they're just communication, as you said earlier, Lee, it it is the foundation for Mm -hmm. everything that we need to get done at work and how we lead. Hey, Gene, be- before we wrap, um, I'd love to ask you this, just where do you think this work from home thing is going? Like if you had to fast forward five years from now or a couple of years from now, like, do you think they're, everyone is just going to need to come back? Is it a hybrid? <laughs> like, where do you think it's going based off what you know today? Six days yeah, a week. Tell, 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 tell them. <laughs> it's, going back, it's going to seven 50, days. <laughs> 50 hours plus. <laughs> So it's interesting you ask that because there's uh, there was a study, and I've got to remember where I found it, but recently where they asked a bunch of leaders across organizations, and they actually predicted that by, I think it was 2027, I think, or 2025, that everyone will be back to work. Now, mm. keep in mind, that's what the managers, that's what the leaders want. So of course, uh, my prediction uh well, I'm a big believer of the four-day work week. I mean, I am. I, I I truly believe when you only have a certain amount of time to complete everything, you'll complete it in that time. Mm-hmm. When you have more time, you complete it in that time. What I would so love to see is a four-day work week because we do not, as human beings in the world, have to work as much as we do yeah. to get the results that we need. And so if we have a four-day work week, you know, maybe two of those are at work and two aren't. But um, yeah, I just, uh, I still think hybrid hybrid is is going to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's helpful. My... <laughs> it's, also, it's also a little silly for us as workers to think these big companies are just going to let those billion-dollar office buildings sit empty. Yep. That's also, I think, if I'm being honest, the biggest driver of leadership needing people back in the office yeah. is they have multi-million dollar release or uh, building leases. Like yeah. they invested a lot of money and they need folks in seats. Yeah. No, like, that's I, a I huge think that's part of it too. I think a little bit. Absolutely. It's something that we can't 
forget that's there. And I also, (laughs) it's probably another second discussion at another time, but I think it would be amazing to explore what those buildings could house instead that can really impact our environment and the challenges and issues we have, at least in in the state. So, yeah. (laughs) That's another episode, Lee. Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna have to get her on, get her on and uh, you know I have to say to both of you today's uh, episode was just very entertaining uh, getting to hear uh, both sides. I mean I know Jean Marie would not be our higher Sergio Patterson at this point in time, but you know it's uh, we we, it, we kept it. It was a nice comfortable. It's perfect discussion. <laughs> I loved it. I, I loved every moment of it. The information you gave us, Jean Marie, was amazing as usual. So. Uh, listeners, uh, we're wrapping up the episode, but make sure you check Jean Marie out. She's all over LinkedIn as well. Check out her courses, her book. You will not be disappointed. So thank you and so long for now. You've been listening to the Free Retire You Show. Securities offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., Member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is an investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. All or portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Airbnb Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.